Right, this is going to be another episode of Hot Take Point Made. By the way, one thing we'll actually do, I'm not going to do it on this episode, I haven't put in the extra effort or homework to do it now, but we should actually in the future, especially maybe because like CSGO is ending soon, maybe we'll do a special one then. We should do like some sort of a comedic review of what the actual hot takes were on some of the past episodes and go through like which ones like, because the joke would be, half the comedy would be, you either like joke that it did turn out that way and like skew, like do an angle on it, or we just find the ones that really did turn out to be legit or whatever like for example like half of them actually don't even work anymore because we did all those ones where it was like yeah well in four years this guy will be the goat of csgo and it's like oh, <laughs> we didn't know csgo was going to be over in like three months now did we like to be fair those ones weren't our fault and then also the other reason Kassad, it's not even really true but i'll pretend it is the other reason why we're not going to do it now is because obviously it seemed like we're picking on maui if we did a very recent sort of poll of all the hot takes you know because you know he's has had a good time of it recently that's all everyone hits a bad streak even phil ivy in poker maui you have to understand gets bad beats you know gets gets a bad run of cards it's all good it's all good it's all it's all gravy so for people that don't understand that's the liquid take the big take the you know all these things Exactly. Happened. There was some. There was some bad ones. Let's just say that. Let's just put that out there. All I'm going to say is this as well. Like Maui's, just, it's just timing that he gets a lucky on Kassad. Like for example, he did have that massive debate with Richard Lewis. That actually, like tier one CS is really good. And then immediately after that, Team Liquid, one of his teams, he was using an example, did lose to literally anyone just, hey. just uh, like anyone who could enter a server yeah. or you know like it, that that might be one of the craziest streaks of bad luck i've ever seen by the way because that was even like a team that you wouldn't expect to just lose to nobody's they were on, like a really good sort of like track record right so anyway here's the thing i'll actually tease for people in this episode obviously we like to like space out the hot takes i've got an angle i think for a hot take that's going to be hilarious because in my own inimitable style basically what i'm going to do is play with the subversive idea of what a hot take is to the casual fan base and we'll just see where we go with that so does anyone have like a normal hot take to start us off has someone got like you know the entree hot take as it were? I, I'll, I'll take it I'll take it come on one. Uh, so everybody knows the you know Sally story didn't qualify and all this shit right come on. and my hot take is that device made a bigger mistake coming back to Australia <laughs> than leaving for me <laughs> That's, that's actually pretty the, good. That's pretty good. That's I can't the lie. One. I like that. That's great. Basically, he went to NIP. He tried <laughs> to do his thing, right? Yeah. He ended up. The, we we all remember how that turned out. And then it was a big move back. And then he's like, he's one of the all-time greats. Like we can agree to that, sure. right? He won four majors, multiple. You know, one of the one of the people who defined the opening role. Like you know, don't don't count you know simple because they are just one of one of a kind, right? But he defined the opening role. Many, if not like eighty percent of the opers that are now on the spotlight watch devices demos, right? And device is still good. He's not like he's like an old dude, like thirty two years old and trying to make it. Like he's what twenty six, twenty seven, and he decided to go back to Australis. I assume there was some sort of a plan that he was lured into. You know, to go back, are we going to bring this guy? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? And then nothing happened. Obviously, they brought in Hunden and, you know, all these, like, uh, all these, like, you know, unknown players that are still keeping Zipniks. And it's just, a, it's just a mess right now. He's not going to be a part of the last major after all this. Thing. And he's still yeah. good. Yeah, like, he's still good. And he, I, I, I can 100%, you know, see that the, the bigger mistake was coming back to Australis than leaving Australis for NIP. And the second part of that take is that, if there is any like you know sense in face, they will go and cash out and just buy him and get him instead of Brokey. 
because ah, he is like... the players they need. He device can still deliver for two more years. Sure. Let's say it like that. It, and that's gonna be worth the money. Right now they have yeah, the young yeah. core of Robs, uh, Robs and and Twists, right? That that can you know, obviously Rain is uh, you know on, on sure. his way out too. But you know they they can actually substitute Brocky for him for the next two years and still getting the 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 chance for titles and probably titles. But by so the way, far, I think yeah, device definitely biggest mistake. By the way, on the latter point there, that is actually something I did make the point of at the time. But obviously, I think people get by now that device moving to Nip and then back to Strauss doesn't seem to have anything to do with like whether he thinks the team is going to be the best. Like he's clearly making the decision based on other factors that, quite frankly, like not it's not that anyone really even fucks them. It's just that we all get that when you've won that much, you can sort of do what you want. You've written your own ticket at that point in time, haven't you? So what I would say is, I actually also suggested the same thing when he went to Nip. I I was like, mate, if you just go to an international team, like we're supposed to believe he was, like it wasn't just for the girlfriend thing. Then the logic is like, why didn't he just join FaZe back then? Like to me, it was like, mate, imagine if he'd have been with Carrigan the whole time. And by the way, how spicy would that goat discussion have gotten if Device joined back with Carrigan and then won another major? That would be like, yeah. oh, that would, that would get fucking spicy as a motherfucker. Then the other angle is, I just like the way, that is actually a bagger hot take. I can't lie about it, but it's so out of left field because here's what's sad. I'm normally the guy who, like, it doesn't matter even if, like, in the room, it's like, ah, oh, we're all feeling sorry for Device right now. We're not supposed to say something like that. Normally, I'm the guy who's like, yeah, but it is a good point, you know, like, this is accurate. But even I hadn't thought of that angle because obviously the whole thing is ever since he came back to Australia, she's supposed to think, like, he's suffered enough. Let's just let's just all leave Device alone. But Kassan's right, technically, if, you, if you're ranking his mistakes, Maui, look at how it's going now in Australis and how his goal is going to end. He's right. That, of all the mistakes he's made, this is actually the worst one so far because, quite frankly, when you watch the RMR, even like him and Blame Effort, just really good players, man. Like, there's not, <laughs> they haven't done anything wrong as far as I can tell, but yeah, they, they have absolutely been made a fool of. And CSGO is just going to end on such a shit note for them, like, whatever in it. Sort of right, yeah. I agree. I can't, yeah, I can't even really argue with this because it's just like, like, the current state of Astralis has been so poor that. It, like not qualifying for this major we had the hot take a while ago i think Kassad might have had it that astralis wasn't going to qualify to the next i think that majors. was mine but there was only oh, that was I yours did, was obviously yours. i didn't okay. know there would be only one more major only one it's worked out for me on that one yeah yeah and i was ready to defend astralis then because i was kind of like you know with blame f and device i thought they'd put it together and yeah. i was actually i think mostly referring to the second major i was like i was like you right. know by by nine months after you said that i thought they would get yeah, it yeah. together but like what what they showed at this one is pretty depressing because I can't, it's hard for me to even defend Glaive as much now because the calling doesn't even seem as strong anymore and yeah. and I don't like the you calling. You need yeah, like, to call good. Yeah, right, that's go, true. Go. I mean, with with Buzz and Zipnix, with Buzz and Zipnix, it's hard to probably put together the structure you would want to if you're Glaive. But yeah, with with Device making this move for himself, it's just. It feels like he had the pick of the litter. He could have gone to so many different teams, and that's the biggest problem with this, that if he did decide, you know, say some other fringe top 15 team, like any of them could have wanted wanted him, and anybody would have taken him. And so to go to Astralis when you already knew the state that they were in, like, yeah, that is that is a pretty bad move on his end. Also, I mean, by the way, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. Here's one thing I don't get about Glaive 
or fucking device in terms of like what we're hearing there might be the speculation as to why they made their decisions which as far as I can tell is where they want to live and what their family life is right here's one thing I find bizarre dude if I was one of these orgs especially like a big team that wants to get one of these players how about this just tell them if you join our new base is Copenhagen we'll make our fucking boot camp from there you can live there if bloody hell if the other players want they can move there like why, why isn't that not just an offer at this point in time if you get like one of the biggest free agents ever because if that can't really be the factor surely like oh they could join nip or astralis or phase or mouse and it's like yeah but i only want to live in copenhagen like that can't be the fucking deciding factor on your cs career surely guys that just seems like nonsense like we can fix that everyone can get a plane ticket come on because what yeah, you're gonna say I mean, the, the thing is like if he went for astralis for i i am assuming it's not because of the denmark denmark and copenhagen thing like there are so not. many teams just go yeah just go for like ants yeah yeah. Healthy organization, right? You just knock on the door, message Nato, it's like, listen, I'm interested. What what can you offer me? If if not, if that's not good, go to mouse. Right? What can you offer me? <clears throat> if that's not good, go to liquid. What can you offer yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, like, like a liquid. Go to phase, you know, just ask. And he decided to go for Astralis, a failed project at the, you know, after they, they lost all these players. They are yeah. like I feel like they are they are being hostages by Zipniks at this point. Like, just, you know, pay the price and let him go. Yeah, seriously. Just pay the price, whatever it is. Because it costs you double that because you kept him. Now you're paying him this salary. You are not on the major. You don't have the sticker money. The sponsor will might leave you soon after you don't get so many results. And then what did you accomplish? You lost much more than you expected. Just pay the money, get rid of him, get another player and, and maybe try try again. I've got a segue hot take that does sort of build off this premise, though, because here's the thing, right? Understand, um, it is a hot take, but even I don't 100% believe it. Essentially, one of the things I've learned also you can do on the hot take show is, quite frankly, what most people call journalism, even though this is bad journalism, which is you just take, like, a fact, and by omitting the right part and skewing it the right way, it seems like you're saying something, but you don't have to actually believe it or not. Like, obviously, classic example would be just... Like, if you look at the results of Glaive, half the problem with when you look at the guy is... Right, what you really have to do is do things like it's actually if people don't know one of the most complicated things about using the eye test for an IGL is you'd have to like watch the game specifically for that one purpose. Like I remember doing this with MSL back in the day, where I would have to watch like his bad North lineups, and I couldn't watch like a normal game because what I had to do was think like, right, remember some of these players suck, so I'm not actually thinking do they win the round. I'm thinking like, did he even get them in a position where it made sense? How he used this guy, how they got onto the site. So anyway, to bring it all back, right? If people just look at Glaive's results, obviously they're really bad. I mean we made a million hot takes on this show but like if you rank him he wouldn't even be a top danish igl never mind igl like a lot of the like the prestige has fallen away in these last years well along those lines i'm just gonna say if you look at when these people had each other actually right now it's funny that everyone dissed zonic so hard when he left and went to vitality because dude it looks right now like zonic was a massive part of glyph's success because think about this I'm not even talking about the era when they won the majors, 2018 and 2019. Go past that to when they had the online period in 2020 and Glaive went out of the lineup. They were still winning, by the way, without him. Like, they were doing really well in that pro league. Then he came back. He didn't even come back as IGL. Magus stayed as IGL. They won that pro league season. Then they eventually brought in, like, still a Desert Tag, if you remember. Then they got Zipnix back after, and they kept winning them. They won a couple of online tournaments. They had, like, Dreamhack Europe or whatever. And if you remember, they were mixing it right up every time with Na'Vi and Vitality. They were still one of the best teams in the world, if people forget, at the end of 2020. And then what happened was, remember, then Device left in 2021. 
they were still actually pretty decent. Like, they were only, like, 7th to 8th away. But they'd lost their best player. And if you remember, the first LAN, Cologne, they had that, like, miracle top four. Like, what the fuck? Out of nowhere. That was... Remember, this is no device. They lost their, their MVP of their team. Then after that, with fucking Bobski instead of Glaive. Glaive wasn't even there. They qualified for the major at the RMR, again, with Megas calling. Like, and then when Zonic left, that's when everything went absolutely to shit. Literally, if you just go and look at the timeline. Like, when Zonic was there, the joke is you can even take out, like, the best names they still had like a level. There was a standard to how where they played at. So I'm not really making this, like I say, as a totally good faith hop. I don't think this means Glaive sucked or like you never could have done any of that stuff. But I think it is pretty telling when you just shade it that way. When you look at like who was there, who wasn't, what happened, what didn't happen. Like it does look like a lot of the rots are in. Like essentially the second Zonic went out the door, which is why I'll bring it back. I've always thought that actually in the modern day, the reason why no one can have that interesting discussion of like Carrigan versus Glaive is because everyone forgets to insert the words on like, as soon as he says Onik, it's a great convo again. Everyone acts like he was just glaive on his own, you know, the whole time. I think, like, the thing why that happened is because not just because Zonic is some sort of, you know, mastermind, you know, just god or something. It's because he had a system that was working for those players. And that's something that I tried to sell to EG when I was having all those, you know, 10 interviews. Like, the system that, that's gonna that's going to work the way that... You know, it, uh, it's not dependent on one or two players. Like, if you swap a player out, the system will be in place. And you just keep producing good results, you know. Sometimes it's going to be, a, you know, much better. Sometimes it's going to be, like, a little less, right? You can have ups and downs, but you can have a constant good results. And that's what happened with Zonic. He had that. And then, they, like you said, they keep switch, switching players. As attack was there. Glaive was on the lead. Magisk was an in-game leader. But the system stayed the same. Yep. Everything there. And that, that's why it worked, you know. And then he left... There is no more system. It all fell apart. And this is what you get. Even Glaive is struggling. Like with his calls, he probably has a different coach. He's a different mindset with a different system. And he's like, yeah, this is not the same thing like it was before. It's new. It's different. It's something that he doesn't like. On top of the fact that the pieces there are well, less than, than what we expect. And then overall, you get these results, right? So it's up to them to actually get it to the same page between the coach and the IGL and the whole team. And like right now, thank God they have a lot of time, right? I mean, they qualify for Dallas, but who cares about that? Like they have to think about the, you know, post summer when CS2 comes in and whatever the fuck happens after that. They have to think about that. Now thinking about Dallas is just, you know, whatever, right? You're just delaying your problems. So overall, Zonic definitely had something good. But, you know, that kind of cancels <coughs> out the thing because Vitality now has a fucking shit T-side. Like one of the worst T-sides together with C9 in Tier 1 scene. Actually, I'm doing a lot of betting, right? And I'm generally scared of betting on Vitality yep, simply because T-side. Like they need double digits on their CT side to actually have a chance. Did you see a game against Astralis? 14-5, 14, then it was 14-14. There was a couple more games. They had a good CT side and they crumbled. Like, simply because Apex is not following or he's not the same page with Sonic and it, the, the T-side looks terrible. Terrible. And then the only map that they actually look good is Nuke. So, I, I guess Apex feels good there and he feels, like, more comfortable. Even if he, in his, like, you know, movements and everything that's happening, like, his, like, reactions and body language are saying to me that he feels good on Nuke, but the other maps he's just lost. And the, the T-sides are terrible. Okay. The whole thing with the Astralis gold lineup is that basically everybody fell off after they left it. I mean, Device is the only guy to me that has 
proven that he he can still do very well individually. So it does seem like the whole thing with that whole Astralis lineup is just like you take one piece away and for some reason it's all falling apart. It's like a it's it is like a house of cards for some reason where even though even though I respect that Glaive was definitely doing a lot as an in-game leader there. Yeah, you can you can make the argument that you take away uh Zonic and it falls apart. And yeah, I guess I guess you can you can make the argument that without device they're still all right. But it's just even with just device leaving like they still weren't reaching even remotely the same heights with him. And so I think it was just a situation where that team just had so much chemistry and also they just had the mental edge over Liquid, so that's why they were winning so many grand finals on top of that. Uh yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of it. I, I just think like it. It just was like for some reason everything had to fit together perfectly with that lineup. Hot take point made is brought to you in association with Freezepipe. Now on this show, we love hot takes, irritating each other, and we're here for all the smoke. But when it comes to enjoying cannabis products, the last thing I would want is hot irritating smoke, annoying my lungs, making my experience painful. Well, that's where freeze pipe comes in because you just put the food safe glycerin chamber in the freezer for a mere hour, enough time to watch a map of Virtus Pro play. And it's it'll be like the classic Virtus Pro when he used to go and watch a demo back in 2015 because there'll be all the cool smoke you could hope to find because it can cool the smoke by over 300 degrees. Now, people might wonder what I'm smoking when I talk about MSL or Existence or Alexi B as IGLs, but whatever bong you prefer or bubble a dab or oil rig, they have them all on Freezepipe's website where they're also running their 420 sale because obviously it's April, isn't it? So thanks to the Freezepipe at thefreezepipe.com, you can use LFN as your code to get 10% off your order. Yes, you can hot take some smoking but the point that i've made is freeze pipe makes it a cooler way to smoke by the way obviously now people if you haven't been keeping track of the order we're going to do a maui hot take aren't we but i understand every maui hot take starts like this maui's like when the sun's out it's warm and then kasar just goes are you insane <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what he starts with, Sats. Go on then, hit, hit, serve it up. Come on, Mary. Hit us with your first hot take. Yeah, sure, sure. This one this one should rile up Kassad a little bit. I know, oh, I know it will. Is that this year so far, Kesarato is the best rifler. Kesarato is the rifler of this okay. year. Uh, I, I'd say okay. that there's... I was thinking, should I soften the blow with this hot take? Should I say top two, top three, just to give people nah, some leeway? But bold. no, yeah, but no, yeah like I, I, I know what I'm seeing. I know what I'm seeing. Caserato is just every single game for Fury, even when the game plan is just total ass. He is still putting together just incredible games of Counter Strike for himself. Like it's, it's almost just, uh, it's like art agnostic whether Caserato is still going to find success. Like he doesn't, it doesn't matter if there is like this just. Just stupid idea in the T side where Art and Yuri, they're gonna throw themselves at their opponents. Safe is gonna like, you know, be a be a half okay rifler and drops just gonna do fuck all. It's like Caserato is still finding ways to find multi-frags in rounds that are just completely botched. And what I love about what he's doing is that he's not doing what Rops was doing at the end of his tenure with Mouse Sports, where he's just getting literally zero zero impact kills. Caserato's actually winning like 1v3 clutches. He's winning 1v2s all the time. He's, he's winning so many clutches that it's actually just disgusting. And the other guys I would have put in this is that I wanted to 
include the two riflers I thought were the best of last year, which were Nico and Axile. But Axile is just not performing as well this year. Uh, just like on some of these Cloud9 losses, like so far at the RMR, as of the time recording this, like he's he's I think he's got a sub 1.0 KD, uh, even on CT sides where I used to believe in Axile no matter what, uh, like because he would always come up with a multi frag. I'm not seeing it there anymore. And so the <clears> only <throat> other guy that I would say is like in contest with him right now has to be Nico. I think if you look only at Hunter's Katowice performance, you would say that he's in this too. But like but in other events, Hunter just hasn't been nearly as impressive. So if it's like Caserato, like eye test wise also is just. He's just more clutch than Nico. Nico Nico plays a little bit more of an entry style. So that's why sometimes his impact is a little bit more wavering. And it's like sometimes in certain games, he just doesn't get going. But Caserato always finds a way. He just literally every single game, this dude has the potential to drop 30 kills. And he does like a goddamn lot. Where, where does that sit with you, Kassad? You just you just find a way every time to pop the last one. Yeah. It's just garbage take. That's it. Like even even Blame F is a better rifler than than Kesarad. Probably no. and probably has more impact at this point right now. The thing is like if you have the best rifler in the world, you don't lose to EG Black. That's one thing. Online, you don't lose online. to IHC. Well, it's online. That's another thing that that's land one. But against IHC in fucking play in Katowice, you have to do something, right? This you said this year, so I'm counting 2023. So if you look at the through the through the events they played, it was uh, yeah Katowice. They lost to Big, your favorite team. They lost to IHC, your my favorite team of Asia. <laughs> and then they lost like in the pro league. Obviously they lost to Face, but whatever. It was like an easy game for Face. And then they lost to. EG Black in that showdown was it showdown? Yeah, they managed to win uh, the, the the what do you call it the RMR thing and they qualify for the Legends by beating Fury by beating Pain, which is in a good form. But overall, <laughs> you should not be losing these games. I don't think he has shown not even fifty percent of the of the things that he has shown the last year. Right now, he's not even in top five in my mind when it comes to rifling. I don't know why would you put him in the in the number one spot when you have like so much better, so many better people right now, including Nico and even Exile. And Exile's problem is Nafani, not Exile. So that's that's another thing. So for me, top five, and if I'm being generous right now. The problem with that is the saddest part when you actually said that last part is what a fucking world it is for riflers. It's bad enough that the AWP's been, like, so powerful all these years and, like, the fucking... Ev there's a million pistols that are strong and every time you try and AK someone, some guy with a fucking CZ shoots you in the side there. If you haven't have all that suffering, listen to what he just said about the top I the rifle candidates there. The top three candidates, guys, here are their IGLs. Hooksy, Art, and fucking Nafani. Like, my God. These guys are also <laughs> just playing on nightmare mode. Like, can we get the... Can I have fucking Carrigan or something? Give me a break. Because I, I, I sort of agree. Here's the thing. I, for this year, you could probably put one of the FaZe players in there. Maybe Rops could go in the mix as a rifler. I think that's probably a fair one. I think people, what people forget is, even though FaZe's results are very similar, I actually think, like... 
uh, you could argue that like Rops and Twists are maybe better now than they were times when they were winning last year. Like it was more of a committee effort in the past. So I think the, you, you have to put the phase players in there. The problem is, I actually think to bring it back though, this is why this is actually way harder than just who is the best player in the world. Because if you notice, like they're at different levels of competition. Like G2's in the semis in the final every event pretty much. Cloud Nine's sort of like to make a semis a good one for them and they can bomb out. Of the three teams, Fury is easily the worst. And even then, like... Like the real problem with the Fury angle for me is this: if I took all the nameplates off, I might agree with you, Maui. I do think Kisarat was really good. The problem is though, like he does it because his team's just worse. Play at an overall low level of competition, and his team is worse, and all the rest of that jazz. So, and I will add in there: that's one reason I actually do think it's also hard to put up. Even though you can be selfish in your playing style in a bad team, the reason why it's not actually easy to farm stats is because you will end up doing things like playing extra maps or playing longer maps or having fucking set. Like you, you do a million. 1v2s but you don't even win the map and then you go to another one and like I've always thought that's why back in the day for me I knew Simple was easily the best player because he'd have to do that on like three straight maps and then still lose the series it's like you can't even just have like the amazing second map like, it's like right we won that one right guys we're through oh fuck I have to do it again we lost in overtime like when you have to do that it's really draining so I think like Kisarato was mega the problem is though if I just look where people play I would maybe either go with Rops for like if I'm looking at overall package Axel's still a good one I think I, I sort of agree with Kisar I do think his team some what they, they put him in hard spots sometimes and I don't hate the Nico one like I'll always say this because I do think Nico does more on T side than most of the other rifles I'll always give him like a little bit extra leeway in that regard so I think it's a pretty tough one I think actually right now for me it's one of the most wide open categories I don't think there is a, a clear answer of who the best rifler is who, who would you actually pick Kassad who would be your nomination Absolutely, Nico, but I'm a little bit biased, obviously. Just, just and, a little uh, bit, just a, just just a, a little bit. But I have to go for him. <laughs> I like the way he even dares to say that, like, it's just obvious in it, I don't go on. The thing is, like, yeah, I have to admit it, like, I, I, I want to be honest to people, right? I'm, yeah, fair I'm, enough. You know, just, but the thing is, like, if, if you exclude that and just look at the facts overall, right? And I think you said it, Tyson, it's, it's not just now, you, you mentioned it before, and we talked about this before, that he has a lot more engagements and impact on the T side, right? He is actively going for things, not on T side, on CT side as well, going for things rather than the other people. Compare Blame F, right, who is not you know, doing anything until he has all the information about all the players on the map, except when they're on Eco and then he just charges, right? That's, that's one thing. Then you have Exile, who is defensive-minded player he needs information he needs the setup from the ex you know inters and whatnot so he can react properly to it and do do, do his thing and then you have k serato who is he's a great rifler don't get me wrong last year i got him as top three top four hundred percent but you know this you mentioned this year so i was going off this year only in katowice yeah, and fair all enough. This thing. yeah. The, the thing is like he's also defensive-minded player yuri is slightly more aggressive and art is super aggressive but they're not really setting him up properly right now for him to deliver the full potential of his capabilities right so if that changes like a little bit in furia like if they get rid of art and get like into a normal system or whatever the fuck is happening and you don't get art calling yanko stupid because he is pointing out obvious fucking mistakes in their and flaws in their game which is also his job the thing is like if, if you get rid of that, if you fix that, I guarantee you the performance of Keiserato will lift for another 30%. And he will actually be in that contention for the best rifle by the end of the year. Because he can do it. I didn't say he can't. He's not doing it right now because of the different things. And obviously their results are shit. Yeah, they qualify, but they lost to EG Black. They lost to Faye and they lost to whoever it was, IHC, in one of the biggest events of the year. After like a three months break and... Uh, 
month and a half long bootcamp. Don't let's not forget that one. So overall, <coughs> I, it's just I don't think he's right there yet. Like all jokes aside and everything, he can be, but he's not right there yet. And maybe he will if, if they make changes and people start using him fucking correctly. That's the whole point. Yes, I'll just say like uh, to bring it back again. I just hope all these guys get a better IGL so we can just see them at their best. So, well, what's your next take then, Kassad? Isn't it? Isn't it your turn now? Oh, is it mine? I think it is. Uh, okay, I have a I have a nice one. Go on. I think it's gonna be a little bit easy, but because we are recording this as a on the day or the day before the last chance qualifier. Yes. So I'm gonna say this: Phase does not deserve to be on the major. The thing is, like, face, okay. yes, they win, they win a Grand Slam. Yes, they, everything, okay. like, is fine. It's going to be good for CS if they qualify because of, you know, it's face, it's all these players. And, you know, if you look at it like that, you know, it's for CS, it would be good, but they don't deserve to be there. Like, I watched the whole RMR. I watched this every single game, every single round of the maps they played, and it was just a disaster. Like, the things on T side, if you, if you go through map, like, uh, I mentioned this on HLTV, confirmed. Like, if you go and download the map Inferno against Na'Vi, the T side was something like like I wanted to scratch my eyes out, like how bad that was. The utility, the flashes are not being used. There is no reaction to the CT setups of Navi whatsoever. Just go 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 ahead and download it, and you will see that most of the gun rounds in the T side they have absolutely no flashes whatsoever, or they have a couple of flashes probably one max to finish up the round. Like and they're not reacting to the situation. Like if I'm the coach of of face and if I'm Robin or whoever, right? Okay, I'm making the decision. I don't know the dynamic dynamic between of them, two of them there. But you see that Navi is playing backside on Inferno <coughs> on A. They're playing pit side mostly after like mid round. So basically they're there until they have smokes. They fall back into small pit. They fall back into big pit. They fall back into sight. And that's happening over and over and over. And you keep using your flashes early, your utility early, and then you end up having not a single flash to go into the site. And you are supposed to go into the site to play against electronic, bit. What's going to happen when you enter the site? Doesn't matter who you are and how good are you at your aim. You are going to get demolished if you end up in a crossfire against those players into the site in Inferno or any other site, right? And there is no adjustment. There is no timeout or saying like, listen, guys, these guys are playing uh, defensive setups on A. They're, they're sticking around bracket top middle for the first 30 seconds. As soon as they lose the smokes, they go back. We need to use one flash, one mole in one smoke to get into bracket, trade whatever we can trade, save at least three flashes for the, you know, actual execute. And that that's where ROPS comes into play. You don't get to have to the AK every single time. The priority number one or Inferno Pulse player is to have flashes. Why? So he can close the round out. He had two extra flashes for the finishing. If you go back to the B side, he has two flashes for B side pop, right? B side exit. If you go to the A side, he has flashes to, to throw from, either to throw from to someone so he can flash for them or he needs to flash themselves. So the thing is like, they are not doing anything like that. You can see that on the demo that they have like all guns, Kevlar's use a bunch of their utility, before they even get any control of the map, they just go and get demolished. And that repeats over and over and over, and there is no reaction to it, right? Their whole CT side was just terrible. The CT side wasn't really good enough individually to fix up all those mistakes that happened on T side. And there was no correction. There was no correction in the, in the rest of the games on those issues. So overall, the performance on the RMR from them doesn't qualify them for the major. And that's the whole point. And based on their performance there, they don't deserve to be on the major. That's that's all I have. Okay. What do you think, Maui? Um, 
I mean, deserve is kind of like where this is a little bit loose because for the performance at the RMR, obviously because they didn't win, they did they uh, they shouldn't be there. But like, I kind of been on the of the opinion that certain teams with certain rankings actually should just make it to the major. So that's where I would draw it. Like that's why I just think the RMRs are kind of weird because it is just an open qualifier that includes teams that I think and I think some of them honestly should just get the direct invite because I think. Like outsiders, I think deserve to be at this next major. Obviously, their performance did not merit them making it to the next major, but I think that because they should, they're the defending champions. That to me says they deserve it. So yeah, does Phase deserve it based off of play at the RMR? No, they were pretty freaking bad actually, and they also didn't didn't clutch up against Mao's at all. Yep. I, I mean, I was, I was because I was at the um, the Americas one. I couldn't see this Navi game that Kasad is is talking about, but in the Mao's one, I mean. Dude, the lack of fragging between a few of the players in that in that game was just like them. Th for once, it felt like FaZe were the ones that were cracking, and that's what that's where I was like, oh my god, this is not even the same team that we were watching for the last year. Where Kerrigan and Rain will hold a smoke at at the entrance of B, and then the Mouse throw one flash, and it's like they know where the flash is. They kind of like half dodge it, and then they still just don't get any kills as these Mouse players are coming through. I was like. Okay, that's just inexcusable at this point. You know, you can't you can't be defending the B bomb site on Inferno with 20 seconds left and not get a single kill. Like they're and even the players at A weren't even doing that well. It felt like also like Twist and Rops weren't actually holding their own, so it felt like they were just cracking. Um, yeah, this event wasn't very good for them, but I think that Phase just deserved to be there because if you if you just won the Grand Slam, you've proven to. I, I think that recent form should actually get you into the major because I just think we should have the best teams there. And I don't necessarily think that this one-off tournament, even though it was pretty pretty awful what we saw from them, says otherwise. I think that the Pro League win, to me, says you should just be at the major. Yes. I, before you go on, Dan, I just, just to, 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 you know, circle back. The the thing is, like, I do agree, 100%. They won the grandstand, they should have a slot in the major. <clears throat> BP, who, you know, were the last major champion, they should be on the major. They shouldn't have to qualify. That's that's another story. That's another that's another topic for like the system and the whole thing that that's bullshit. They should have a, a, a spot there. But I'm just talking about the straight up performance because everybody's in the same boat and everybody has to qualify sure. by playing other teams and beating other teams, right? And they didn't do enough. If if there was not a last chance qualifier, they wouldn't be on the major, and we would have a whole different hot topic right now. But they do have it, and I don't think they deserve it. They're probably going to get it, but based on their performance, they don't deserve it. And I want to mention, mention that round, like, as well. Like, they're holding the smokes on B, and they got shot. It's not just only that. Like, there was a round where they were like 4v5, 5v4, actually 4v5. And they stacked with three people on A site, and they leave Kerrigan, Kerrigan on B. What's the, what's, the, what's the process there? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Kerrigan is going to, they're going to go oh, to yeah. B, and Kerrigan is going to get three kills? Is he going to get three kills for you? So is, the, is that the risk that you are taking? Instead of like, maybe you stack three people on B and leave one on retake A and they go A, you just back off and that's it, right? Or if you want to risk it, you put Twist in Pit and maybe he gets three kills on A and then you have a stack on B. Or you have all four players on, on the A side and if they go B, you still have guns and whatever, you play the next round. The gamble didn't, didn't work out so well. <coughs> this way, you have Kerrigan on B, he's going to get run over one for one at the very best. Maybe even if he gets two, it's still not good enough. It's still 3v3 on the fucking B side of Inferno. How do you retake that with a knob and a two rifles that have no nades? 
you don't, right? So those are the, the, the small things that get you the important rounds. They have like no control of it. They're not doing them well. And that's why they played bad. And that's why they deserve based on performance to be on this major right now. Like I said, if there wasn't a last chance qualifier, they still wouldn't be there. And it's still not guaranteed they're going to be there. You might see Cloud9 playing against them for the final spot. And they can beat them. Ants as well. Like all these teams that, that, that can do it, right? They can do it. You know, if FaZe lost to the whoever they lost, B and E, 2-0, why can they lose to to some other team like, you know, like big? Surely they can, right? So overall, that's just underwhelming. And <coughs> based on that, the system that we have, they shouldn't be there. But I would love to see them there. That's 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 a whole different point. Like, that's just There's big. obviously loads on, on this and all these different angles. Like, for example, one thing, this is why the word deserve, like Maui said, is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. Like, for example, we didn't used to have this extra bracket spot where we gave Europe an extra spot. So by the old system, they already would have failed, wouldn't they? So by that logic, yeah, they literally don't deserve to. And if you watch the games, like you're saying, with the eye test qualitatively, they did play pretty bad. I mean, I'm with Maui. I actually think individually, most people played bad in phase. Yeah, they had some dodgy calls too. Like they looked, quite frankly, like they were fucking very nervous. Actually reminded me how badly they played at the last major. It was the same sort of shit. And not just because they lost to Bad News Eagles again. In fact, if you even look like Maui said there, they still they still do the thing that, that basically cost them all the titles the last six months, which is when they get to the 14-14 game or the overtime game that they used to always win, they always lose now, with the exception of this Grand Slam they just don't ever win those games now you know it's like you can actually bet against them in an overtime now like if you look at the flow of that game on the last if people don't know the bad news eagle one's bad but the mouse one's even worse like they had inferno one their best maps ever as the last map and they just had that like that was like in position to just be won like that's probably the craziest thing about the way phase has lost some of these games over the last like six eight months is some of the matches it's not even just like they're losing and they can't get back in the game it's like sometimes they're even in the winning position and they just let it bleed out and lose so yeah i agree on all these aspects yeah, they didn't play well enough. If you took the nameplates off, you wouldn't be begging them like, oh, please, this team needs to be the major. Like, we mainly just think that because it's FaZe and it's the CSGO. It's the last minute. It's all the fucking narratives that make us want FaZe there. But I'm also similarly on Maui's train, though, of like, first of all, every... One of the reasons why that stat that like I wish I wish the internet hadn't become this thing where I said jokingly earlier you can emit per piece of information to make it like a take sexier. But obviously the whole point of this show is we then unpack it all and we do say all the context. I hate this thing that basically HLTV didn't invent it, guys. ESPN did this years ago on Twitter, which is you just try to come up with stats that sound crazy, but they sound crazy because you intentionally didn't add the extra piece of information. So they did that stat on Twitter, they were like Virtus Pro is the first ever team to win a CSGO major and then not even qualify for the next one. Key detail to add, this was the third time ever anyone could have ever done that. That's pretty fucking significant. There's been what? Isn't this like the 19th or major or something? Like, you make that sound like everyone else was a genius and only bomb-ass Jim didn't make it. By the way, guys, go back in history. There's some, like, happy, envious lineups and nip teams that could easily have fucking bombed the next major if they'd had to really qualify and go through like this where you go online into an RMR. into like, mate, there's plenty of major champions would have been, like, every now and then on touch and go or would have blown it. So, first of all, that's a bit whack anyway because, like, in that case, VP is only like the third team that could ever have done it anywhere. And then secondly, the reason I bring that up though is because we did always take it for granted in CSGO. If you come even top eight the major, you're the next one. That's just for granted. It's also the reason, by the way, why most of those stats of like, and then Device and Dupree were in all the... It's like, yeah, but... 
yeah, everyone who's top eight gets to the next one, mate. Like, that's actually not as crazy. It's only because of the current status it seems more epic. And then I'd also go back to, I agree with Maui. The big problem I have is, I actually have a controversial take, which is I wouldn't just do the classic, like, right, you won the last one, you're automatically in the next one. Because essentially, I just want it to be the circuit that decides it anyway. So if through the whole circuit, outsiders had been crap like they have, then maybe they don't deserve to be here. But the point is, FaZe automatically would qualify, wouldn't they? Like, if you just look up the placings they've had. G2 also, like, for me, I'd at least take, like, the top eight in the scene or something. Like, if you look at the circuit we have, it's pretty robust. It's not like you can play one tournament and you're going to be top eight. Like, now I know the tricky thing is when would you take the ranking from? That's all that stuff is to be figured out. But I just feel like everyone who's watched any 1v1 sport like Formula One or fucking tennis or whatever, they just know that system works. You have a circuit, you play it, you know roughly who's good. You qualify people to a championship or a year-end tournament or whatever. It's just a good system. Like, it also encourages, by the way, just being good at the game and playing a lot of tournaments and having a good set of consistency so although I, I guess I sort of agree and I disagree like I disagree on the more abstract ideas of can we reformulate the scene or how should you qualify I do sort of agree though Kassad just because I like fears doesn't mean I'm just going to say they should be there no matter what like at the end of the day like the whole point of qualification is like it's actually supposed to you're supposed to win in the game like if you can't win in the game at some point in time that does hurt too yeah. Also, this like this ranking system, like it's so broken. Like our, our ecosystem is completely yeah. broken. We have all these like TOs, like Blast, and then you have like ESL, and then you have the Valve independently running, and then PGL taking some of the majors. And it's just like makes no sense. Like you look, look at the, the 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 FIFA at least, right? They have the official rankings, FIFA rankings, and every other like uh, football association is connected and uh, under that like main FIFA uh, you know association, right? And that's how it should be with us. You know, that's where you have the universal ranking. People are, it's what's crazy about me that you have like, you go through the ten, top 15 teams right now on HLTV, at least 10 of them have the players in their contract, like have incentives based on the position on the HLTV ranking. Like how stupid is that? Like, yeah, I'll get you three more Ks this month if you are top five HLTV. Like how the fuck does that make any sense? Like the points there don't qualify you for any tier one events. Like if you want to qualify for Blast, you can't. Obviously, because they're all partners. If you want to qualify for ESL, there is like their rankings, their only their own ranking system and world ranking system. So if you want to qualify for the major, who the fuck cares about HLT ranking? You have to like go to the open and close yep. qualifiers and RMR. So it's all broken. Like it's all broken when it comes to that. And nobody's paying attention to that shit. We're just paying attention to some other stuff. Like, you know, it's just a bunch of bullshit that we need to fix. Otherwise, this game is going to go to like much deeper shit than it is right now. But that's a whole different topic. Right, here's what we'll do. We'll just break now straight into my best hot take because here's what I've done. I've sort of structured it like they do those American infomercials late at night where they sell you the product. And if you know, like I won't give it all away, but if you know the whole point is the part of the pitch is that they say some insane shit, but wait, there's more. And there's always more if you don't know. That's the whole fucking gimmick how American TV works because the trick is they actually, essentially, if people don't understand, I'll give people a little bit of break the fourth wall. What they're actually doing is showing how effective sales techniques work because essentially they've made you believe on the first instance, like, oh, I would already buy it. And then they're like, but wait, there's more. So you think, oh my God, more value. And at the end, when you've got all the value, you're like, oh, I'm a genius for buying this, even though if you actually like calculate at the end, like actually the extra steak knives 
and stuff like actually that all totally makes sense in the margins and it's obviously a functional business like they're not actually just giving away the fucking farm so I'll bring it all the way back and what I'll do here is this is going to be the most you should enjoy this one particularly Maui because it's incredibly meta about the contextual discussions and discourse in esports and the genius at the end is I've essentially tricked you all into letting me take the most obvious clearly objectively correct takes like the easiest like this is like buying Apple stock on day one mate or like it's just easy it's obvious but it's gonna because of all you idiots in the community I'm gonna end up being right and this is gonna be a hot take so you ready level one here's the first hot take there's, there's levels it's like inception mate level one goes like this commentators and analysts do understand what's happening in CSGO games where from like how a pro might think about a situation <laughs> can you believe it that's crazy that's fucking nuts Oh, what are you insane? What are you talking about? Guys, the reason that's hilarious, like I said, you see what, see how better it is, Maui? Because that's the most obvious, like, basic fucking consensus take. Like, anyone with a brain would obviously acknowledge what I've just said. These are literally, by definition, the people who watch the game more than anyone else, including Bozo, people from Ukraine, who are really good with the odds. They're not watching the game like we're watching it. They're also, by the way, are you ready? If you're, if you're actually a commentator, you're doing it live, you fucking moron! You haven't got time to pause and go, well, I would have thrown a spot. No, no, you do it live, mate. There's no pause. Like, unpause. No, no, but I need to talk. No, no. Unpause, keep talking. Like, first of all, Simple couldn't do any of that, by the way. Any of that. I'm the, by the way, don't go because he's in English. No, no, I, I've spoken to this motherfucker about CS. He's a very smart guy, but he would need time like anyone to unpack an idea, to ask, what do you mean by that? To set up a game scenario, or if you're 4v4, yeah. You can't do any of that if you're a commentator. So already, right, I've got you on number one. That's a hot take, apparently. Because remember, I didn't do this, mate, but I've been told Simple's right about everything. And every take he has, you know, it's people's try and find a way he's right. So there's one hot take, but there's another level. Here's second level, right? We're going to go to the next level of the hot take, which goes like this. Simple. Are you ready? This is fucking... Ooh, get, get ready for this one. You might not actually be able to handle this one. Are you ready, Kassad? This will blow your mind, mate. Simple being really good at shooting people in CSGO doesn't make his opinions right. Oh, what am I even talking about? I've lost my mind. You know what? At this point in time, bring in a padded cell. Like, fucking... See you guys. I'm off. He, has, he shoots people the best with the crosshair, so he must be right about everything. How much is the tip? Simple. Fuck if I know. Four dollars. He's right again. Four dollars is the tip. Don't bother calculating that. What's his tax? <laughs> Don't bloody ask him. Like, what are we talking about, guys? You actually, you guys in the community have actually lost your fucking minds. If the logic goes, and of all players ever, by the way, it's so mad you've picked Simple. Because if you don't know, one of the takes I often make to be a bit mean to my fellow analysts is that actually they all got tricked by Simple in like 2017 and they all used to say he probably should AWP less and let Guardian off because he's a traditional AWPer and he plays a bit too aggressive sometimes and puts himself in bad situations essentially if you want me to translate that Simple actually up until a certain point in his career was probably someone who made quite bad decisions at times in the game he just had like 2.5 times better fucking skills than every person who was in his peer group so for him they either initially it just wasn't that big a deal and then eventually once he became like completely cracked the joke is what are actually the wrong decisions for 99% of players become fine or even right for him. But he can't get that, by the way. He really thinks, I'm not joking, that like every person should play how he, and he's figured it out. He, he really doesn't understand. He's essentially Wilt Chamberlain, like a seven foot giant athlete, telling like a fucking guy who's six foot, like, why are you taking all these outside shots and passing? You just go inside, bump, turn and do a post with and slam it in the guy's face. Like, you're a moron at that point in time. But oh, don't worry, every fan, because he's so it must be right. 
Joel Chamberlain, he's seven foot tall. He must be right about everything about the game. He's taller than us all. That's what you guys, and are you ready? Oh, that's right. There's one last set. There's the steak knives at the end, Maui. So here's the steak knives in this take. Notice how I'm cranking up the score field meter here. The third take that this builds into, like true inception, I'll end there. Are you ready? This is going to really hurt some feelings. Most pro players don't understand the game on the level simple is bragging about at all. And in fact, it is only the ridiculous conceit that they do, which which makes pro opinions so valuable to the community. Like, there's a reason, if you notice, that I do show, like, Strapbook, and it's not just because of the name, that I have people like Carrigan, Alexi B, like, MSL. I don't have on, like, fucking Scream. So... How do you set up all those fucking entries? I don't have on, like, some, just some fucking random play. Oh, you're really good at spraying. So tell me, what did you think the strat was? Like, most pro players don't actually do that. Like, I'll give credit to the legends of the game. Because you know what? Fair play to the true legends, by the way, who aren't, like, modern-day people with all these big egos. People like, are you ready for real? Motherfuckers like Forrest will totally admit if you ever talk to them. Oh, I didn't understand half the shit, like, Card and the in-game leader were doing. I just did my shit. You know, like, I had my role. In fact, I was comfy with my role. I didn't want to know what the IGL's doing, by the way. That's not my job. Like, it actually looks like it sucks. He's the one who stays up all night watching the demos. I just, like, you know, go to bed, wake up, and get my aim warmed up. Like, fair play to the legends. They get it. Because I'm so sick and tired of this. If this was, like, Carrigan, by the way, or Blade telling me this, I'd go, okay, yeah, let's sit back, listen. I'm not having Simple tell me that, mate. I'm not having a guy where it's like you were just born with the the genetic silver spoon so far out your fucking mouth. Looked like you were some set human centipede shit. Like, it's ridiculous. I'm not having this guy. So there you go. There's the triple hot take. It starts with commentators and analysts do understand the game and what's happening on sort. Not as good, not necessarily as well, but they definitely can break it down that way. Like, because that's why I said on Twitter, by the way, he said it was everyone. Mate. You know, fucking man, maniacs being like semis of majors. Pimp was like one of the best players in the world in 2013. I'm not having this fucker, by the way. Pretend all, everyone's just me, some guy who never played the game. Shut the fuck up. And then sec the second hot take was simple being the best player doesn't make him right about his opinions. And then the third hot take is most pros just don't actually have that super in-depth knowledge. That's like, I think you're even being unfair to the IGLs and coaches by pretending everyone understands the game on some super deep level like that. What do you think? They're pretty spicy. You see what I mean, though? Because they could either be yeah. just obvious or they're really spicy. So you got, let me see what you guys think. Well, I'm, I'm glad you went with this because this was going to be my second hot take, but you unpacked this with more in Fair more enough. levels than I was actually even going to address. I was going to go for the first one here. So I'll just kind of like get into what I yeah, was thinking it. about it with the whole thing about simple saying, you know, commentators, analysts, they don't know what they're talking about, where it's like, like, he acts like there's some hidden layer to the game that, like, nobody's seeing. And sure, he understands certain micro situations better than other people do. Like, I've seen, when I've seen Simple Play, he's also so frequently to me the most creative player out there because sure. he'll go for some in interesting peak that I don't see other pros go for. But it's also based off of the fact that he has the mechanical ability that he thinks he's going to hit the shot, even though even though if you really think about some of the micro plays that he goes for, it's like this probably didn't even put you in the best situation more times than not. But you just knew you were going to hit the shot. And if you missed it, you were going to look really stupid. But like the amount of times that simple looks stupid when he's playing this game, very, very slim, like one out of like 50 maps is he going to make like one play where we're all just like, what, what was that? You know, but but like his mechanics bail him out. So. That's like the main part of this for me, where it was just like, like he, when, when he says that thing, like commentators and analysts don't know the game, it's like, that's such a generic statement that also is just so dismissive of the people that are also giving people a reason to watch the game. Like, it's also like, I don't know. I mean, 
I like to I like to you know crap on players here and there, but like this ecosystem is also like <coughs> built up by everybody that's contributing for to sure. it. So for him to say that stuff is also just just like no sense of what what people are actually doing to make it so that his his gameplay is appreciable. Like if, if he doesn't think like say you know Anders is able to like doesn't know the game, but Anders has given him so many great highlights like that would have been just like him clicking his mouse in a server if he didn't like build up those situations for everybody to get excited in those. So I, I just think it's super tone deaf from simple. To, oh, first of all, um, the other stuff that you're saying, actually, you know what? By I the mean, way, that is a bagger yeah. point. If, if fans don't get it, my point is a very shrewd one. It's like the joke. If people don't know, I did do this. When on my website, I put that comedy section where it's all quotes, but I treat half of it like a bit lighthearted and frivolous. I purposely put the simple one where he said, I'm a, an idiot because I put Thorin is an idiot. And then I, put simple you know the player Thorin said was the greatest player of all time because the joke is it's like a recursive joke isn't it Maui it's like yeah. if I'm an idiot then, then me saying that doesn't mean much does it no exactly you're right on that one you got well, that. yeah and I, I think we're we're <laughs> simple unless the last little bit I have on this is just that the point we're simple or really most people where they say you don't know the game I always find myself reducing that to oh, so you think that situation should have played out differently than it did in the game, yet the caster or analyst probably built it up like this was supposed to be the result. Like, again, this is why prediction games are generally pretty useless in, like, just if you're just going one-for-one one predictions because it's like, you know, it's not our job to always be like, who, what do we think is going to happen? You know, we'll use past data and past what we've seen in the it before to say, like, oh, this situation is favorable. Like, if I see a 4v2... And I think that the 4v2, like, they all have, like, USPs and the two people have guns. I'm still going to give it to those two guys, but, you know, we'll see those USPs sometimes win in a professional match. And then people will probably be like, oh, like, what? It was a 4v2. He doesn't even know the game. But it's like, you know, we're, we're giving context to everything. And sometimes the casters in a moment or the analysts, because they have a shortened segment or because it's in the live round, can't explain all the minutia that leads them to their thought process so people will just write that off immediately and i just think like people that talk like that in general are just like so so like uh polarizing i don't know i guess they just try to be like incendiary sometimes with the way that with what they say but it's like if you really break that down you don't probably mean that guy doesn't know anything about the game it's just that you couldn't you also couldn't find the words to describe that you find his opinion to be dissatisfactory is it? By the way, that is why we are all terrible in esports. Like, I don't think there's anyone who really knows nothing. But it's like if someone, if you just disagree, it's like he knows nothing about the game. It's like you know, you don't even grant them like a basic human with a brain. It's not even like, good faith. I know exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Kassad? Where are you on this one? Because in theory, uh, Kassad just in his career has been more on the coach player side. So I wonder where that's, that's you're going to come down on this. That's the thing. Like I'm, I'm thinking like both ways. I think he's right on some situations. And I think he's absolutely wrong with someone. Like, because like when I was a coach, when we were competing on the highest level, playing majors, all this shit, right? And I would hear, like when I watched the VOD, and I would hear some of the commentators and the analysts break down what happened. It's completely the opposite of what actually happened. And they don't understand the depth or, I, or they don't have the time. Then I figured out later than budget situations, you don't have the time to yes, exactly. explain yes. the depth. Yeah. And but in my mind, maybe simple doesn't get that. Like for example, us as an analyst, you go to a, to the desk segment, and you have very little time to explain in your like couple of sentences what you saw in the best possible way that's so entertaining and you know uh, educational in a way, so it has any depth or meaning, right? And an actual analysis there. So you have like you start talking about something, and you have the producer like, all right, let's, let's segue to the DHL segment, and we have an asset and an interview with God knows what, and you know you need to hurry up, hurry up, and then you just 
bouncing like some ideas sometimes and then you end up saying things that maybe are for a listener to the player to the coach that I, that I was before comes out that like you don't know exactly what you're talking about but for to say that they don't know anything it's just nonsense because they do know a bunch of bunch of stuff there are people who actually understands the game you mentioned you know maniac he was playing a lot he understands things but it's it's a little bit you know difficult also simple doesn't understand that if you lined up thousand players in the first 200 teams that you know and try that all of them try to do what he does on the server there's going to be at least 99.9% that won't be able to do it Yes. Like and like Maui said, if any of them tries to do that, they're gonna look stupid. And then we, as a as a, as analysts, are gonna say like, "What the fuck are you doing? This is so stupid, right?" And uh, you know, he he doesn't understand that. But you know, because for me, it's much easier to understand him and where he's going from because I was on both sides. I was on the broadcast the, the desk and I was on the on the server, you know, for years. So it's just <coughs> I can understand understand where he's coming from. But the way he said it sounds like he's like, yeah, fuck you all. You don't know shit. You know, yes. that, that, that's that, right? And there's also the art thing when he's like trying to explain some bullshit on Inferno where they made a mistake and like he's calling Yanko dumb. You know, that's just Yanko or anybody on the desk doesn't call anyone dumb, doesn't call anyone stupid. They question your fucking performance and the things that you're leading. That's, the, that's their job. That's what they're paid for, right? Yes. They're they're bringing the entertainment and the education and the show to the viewers between the maps. And they're like Maui said, the commentators are hyping you, bringing you to the heights and like, you know, all these things that when you make a highlight play, you know, they're the ones that are making it even more legendary than it is. Right? So there needs to be some sort of respect when it comes to that. Like I said, I know because I was on the both sides and I I see like how things work on 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 different different things. Sure, we've got a little bit more we can say on this. Like, first of all, this is why you'll never know till I'm gone, boys. But this is why you'll always miss me on the desk because one thing I always did is one, you see what happens with these pros. You give them a fucking inch, they take a mile. You give them a little bit of a break because the difference is, I absolutely because I would on a broadcast say, like for example, outside of the game, simple's a fucking moron. Like he can talk about the game really well. He's actually quite an intelligent player. Like I've always said, he, he could maybe be an IGL if it wasn't for the fact he has probably the worst temperament ever that an. IGL could ever have and can't conceive of the fact people are worse at the game than him. But in terms of actually, if he breaks down what he was doing in a game, he is very intelligent, I will say. But like the idea, yeah, these people, they go way too far with that concept. But one thing I will add is this. I even get why players get triggered by this because I've had friends that were pros. One thing, cool things about having friends in the industry in different roles is they'll even tell you sometimes, like essentially you interface with them as a professional. So for example, it's why like Get Right flamed me in a very famous example that everyone always brings up, but they don't know he was actually my friend even then and still. It's just because when you interact with them as a friend, it's a different person. Like he'll even say like, no, nah, I was just triggered about that shit. You know how it is? Like I was fucking, I didn't know where we were at as a team but then when they're a pro they're thinking differently so what i'll say is this right is one of the things that they're doing when they get triggered like that as pros when they're only thinking from their perspective is like Kassad says, they watch the broadcast and then they hear you talk about their team. And the, it's not even that you're always wrong. It's that you say a detail that isn't totally accurate. And so what they do is they go like, he doesn't know what he's talking about with our team. And then they take that. And what they make the mistake of is thinking, right, that means they're not even bloody doing anything. They're just making up storylines. But no, it's like Kassad said, there isn't time in the day. Well, the problem they have is, here's the, the concept. Now you'll understand what I mean by this. It's the difference between having like a horizontal, broad understanding of the scene 
between and an incredibly deep vertical understanding of one team. The point is you're in that team. So obviously you know every part about your team, the protocols, the roles. You also know all the things we can't know, like why you chose that person to have this role or why this guy backs up instead of being the guy who goes in or why this guy get Even shit, by the way, we can never know. Like, why did they, why does Apex get the AK on some T-rounds when they got a low buy instead of Zewu? Like, for all we know, maybe there's actually a good reason, but we can't know that, so we have to speculate. So we just think, ah, it's fucking nonsense, isn't it? Like, it's probably just fucking egotistical or does he not know Zewu would get the kit? We all do that. So first of all, you're thinking that we can do... This is the mistake pros. You're thinking if we really wanted to, we could get that vertical knowledge. We can. And also, one thing that is unfair, you've got to admit, and all pros, if you ever put it like this, will admit it, is you're also going to fall the scrim shit that you do in scrims and all the other teams do in scrims. We don't see the scrims. So how can we go off that? Like, yeah, like the worst one is I've had pros for real be bad on a map in pro play. Like they have a losing win rate, but then they're like, but in scrims we're winning them all. It's like, how am I supposed to know that? And how would it be relevant to this broadcast? Like how mental would I be if I just started talking about how you're actually secretly cracked out on the map? We can just never see it and you have to just trust me. Like that would be mental to sell a broadcast. But you're right. Objectively, you might actually be correct on that one. And then the last thing I'll say is this. The reason why that whole approach just sounds silly if you like simple and you you haven't thought it through, and especially you haven't done this job. Here's the key point. It's because this is the other thing Kassad, like he sort of explained there, when you actually do this job, almost all former pros go like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was actually. Like, like for example, one thing most of them admit is what I said about the horizontal lodges. Like, I've even had them say this to me where I don't even pretend to have been an ex-pro. They'll actually say, oh, I used to think you didn't know what you are talking about till I knew you had to have an opinion about every player and every team in the whole scene on deck like that the second someone asks you. Because remember, right, that is shit on a broadcast. If you sit there, you watch all these games, and then someone goes like, and so what about in Fury? Like, how is drops roll going? And you go, I haven't actually uh, studied 50 drop demos, so I'm afraid I can't give an opinion. Like, that would be garbage. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just have to have one. So what people I don't think understand, this is why I'll bring it all the way back to what I always explain I actually think being an analyst is. Being an analyst is why in the England we call it a pundit. It's, just, it's not the idea you're right or you know better. You just have a coherent perspective that you can explain in whatever section people want to see that day. Does this team better? What, what, what would make the best idea? The point is it's consistent. It's coherent. If you watch, you have a sense of what I'm going to say. You don't know exactly, but you have an idea of it. You know, to me, that's been doing the broadcast role. So I think Simple's got lost in the weeds on that one. But it's why I, I also say it starts as a hot take. It's actually just quite a reasonable fucking analysis. I thought we actually did a pretty good job there breaking down why pros and the desk see things differently. And I, I like Kassad says, in a way, he is right, but he's also wrong because he doesn't see our perspective, basically. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, like, for us, for like us in the broadcast, you know, once we get asked the question about a certain player, we reply with analysis that we see, like on the actual screen, on the server, or whatever, like the information that we have. And we say it like that's not personal for us. But for you that I'm talking about, it's personal because I'm talking about you. So it's personal to you. Yes. And if you see something that you don't agree with, if you see something that like I maybe I didn't have the full information and you know that and it's not totally accurate, then you're going to take it personally as well. And then you're going to go out and say, ah, these fuckers, I don't like it. I invite all these fuckers as well, players, to just sit down with me. Let's let's have a discussion about the game. Let's go about. Let's say I called uh, called out face today, Carrigan, Robin, whatever, right? About their T side. And if they don't agree, let's sit down. Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's yes. everyone hear it. Let everyone hear it. Like let's have a discussion. I'm watching a lot of Joe Rogan lately, so okay. that's why I'm like you know all this <laughs> like you know uh, sure. debates and everything. But the thing is like. Uh, you could just go ahead and say it, like explain instead of saying like I don't know what to talk about. And then you can defend, oh yeah, he said that he must be right. 
Oh, mate, yeah. the amount of seals is mad when Simple says, well, everything he says is right. He's the best, you know. He's the gold. Like, yeah, but... You're so feckless, guys. It's because he shoots people the fastest. I know, the exactly. He must be right about everything. That's right? the worst part about it, by the way. It's like I say, it's, it, I know it sounds mad because everyone's going to open he's the best, but it, to think how he's the best, though, that's what's infuriating. Guys, literally, one of his best clips ever is him just pressing the left mouse click and going, let's hope. That 1v2 against Fnatic is him just going, Yeah, yeah. If, you, if the game says it, then it's not. It's not like he was a genius who made that happen. He just clicked the button. And also, it's the other thing. I could sort of, um, it still wouldn't make sense. But if, the, like, if, the, if like Prime Zipniks told me something, I would be like, he is really smart, though. The way he breaks the game. That, that, you know, someone like that can play with no aim. Although, he's sort of proven that wrong recently. But in theory, he can. Like, I know. Because if people don't know, this is the one last thing I was going to say. It's also why Richard used to bring up that hilarious example, which, to be fair, because I'm having to go from memory from like 2014. I don't know if actually it was true that that literally was what happened. But essentially, if it didn't, spiritually, this is how it was in Simple's team. When Richard tells that story that in Flipside, there was like a round where it was someone like Bondik or Marklov, like died on fucking Mirage B. And Simple just did that thing of like, that is not how you play that watch this. Then he went and took that guy. He's French now, apparently. He went and took that guy's <laughs> role. And then when he was playing, he just went to that guy's spot. You can imagine they run through the site because he just, you know, the, there was a bad player there before. Because it's simply just like, you know, like fucking headshots, four of them. Then he goes, that is how you play this role. And then he goes back, right? And then obviously the joke there is, in his mind, he's like, I taught him, didn't I? And it's like, you didn't teach him anything, you moron. Like, like what, did, what did you teach him? Like, essentially, if you can understand that story, you know exactly what I mean about this example is simple. It's like, bro, nobody can do what you just did. That's actually, you actually, have, it's, like, it's worse than you haven't shown me what to do. You've, you've actually, you think you've shown me, but you've shown me nothing at all. In fact, you've given me an impossible fucking example to replicate, haven't I? Like, because I'm not you, and I can't just cap them all in the head when they come around the corner. Like, <laughs> you try doing that, and you end up even dumber. Yes. Like, you yeah. try, like, coping, okay, I'm going to do what Simple does. And yes. then you end up being... Oh, mate, Kassad, there was a perfect example of this. Did you see that comment that Hooksy said? Because this is why I always thought people like Nico, they can definitely break the game scenario down for a mid-round, but they actually aren't the greatest IGLs. Did you hear that comment Hooksy said? Where he said there was a round where they were on Inferno. I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been heroic. And basically, there was a moment where like someone was like boosted on on, on, they're on Inferno B-site and some like, CTs boosted on top of like, the fucking flower pots or something. And Hooksy's going to flash him right like late in a round. Do you remember this story? And then Hooksy goes, so I, I I get the flash and I point out and I kill him. And then Nico goes, why you need the flash though? Just speak out and kill him. And he had to sort of like turn to, to Nico like, yeah, I hit you though, have I? Like, because like, that's what you're essentially explaining to Nico is my AK crosshead does Yeah, no, my crosshead doesn't automatically go to the head and then stay there the whole time. Like, you know, I actually, I can miss. Like, because <laughs> in Nico's mind, his logic was like, you're just wasting flashbangs. Like, he's like some old fashioned dad, like, just fucking go on your own with no court or whatever like at all. That's a great example. If you can get that example, that's perfect. It's actually hard. Like, it's perfect example, <laughs> yes. right? They're not, he even said it, like, we're not playing the same game, Nico. Exactly, yes. Like, yeah, that's absolutely right. Like, you try playing the same game as fucking simple, and then you end up losing every single time. Yes. You use your strengths. Like, his strengths are like raw skill, fucking aim, and everything, like, timings, everything that he does, right? Yes. That's his fucking, you know, strength. Like, if he wants to be an IGL, you know where the team would end up? Fucking nowhere, right? Yeah. Be bad, that's like sure. the same thing that like, goes for like let me he took the example of the best player ever, right? But let's say there's some lesser players. Like imagine putting Jax as the IGL. Like, how would that go? Right? 
the same way. Like this would be shit because he doesn't know what the fuck is he doing. Yep. Like, but if you tell him, like you mentioned, like listen, we're gonna we're gonna create this situation for you. Once we hit the site, you do that, whatever. Like, and he's like, yeah, okay, that's my timing. He sits in upper tunnel, does too. They do something. He walks out in a one v one, and just because he's fast, he headshots someone in a one v one, right? Or you tell him the other way, like, listen, we need you to create a distraction. We're gonna throw four flashes for you. Smoke here. You just run out. You're gonna get blo- you're gonna get flash for whatever. And then you just need to run out to kill people. All right. He doesn't need to know the what happens after. He doesn't need to know what happens before. He just needs to know what ha- what needs to happen when he needs to go into the site. And that's your explanation how you teach an entry player to play. Just go there. You don't need to depth. You don't need to sit there in two hours of theory and just listen to me blab about fucking whole the you know the big picture of the things. But he doesn't understand it. Like you know, it's just... by the way, even though this is like only ten percent serious, it does almost make me feel like that's why it's totally logical why Apex isn't actually that good as an IGL. Because think about it, right? He's essentially someone Maui who's just being conditioned. It's like he was actually in real war. He has PTSD. Like and a whole entry fight. Remember, he was a hard entry as well. He's just been playing CS for years. Where to him, CS is you run, you're immediately blind to death, and you just move around like this, right? And you're waiting to get one second that you can see, and if you instantly headshot someone immediately for no reason because remember one thing I always loved about Apex's style of shooting is it perfectly fits entry frag because he's not actually like a god aimer if you ever watch he doesn't have like the config tracking him but he just flicks all he does is flick and if you flick and you hit you get the random headshot like the on the bench guy on Mirage then you're in the site that's, that is like essentially the best gamble you can take as an entry so you do all that and on top of that half the time as a raw entry you're just like right well that didn't work and they're like good news we're trying it again in you go and so like no wonder at the end when he has to call he's just like oh yeah uh, just keep entering in the same site over and over again. Yeah, dodge. Get, oh, we're all dying. Doesn't matter. Keep going, man. Go forwards. He's like, he's done so like World War One trench or something. Exactly. The perfect example I'll give you from my team. <laughs> we had Jacob, right? He's a similar player. Yes. Like you, you can't put him as an IGL, but he's an entry fragger. He's a good entry fragger. He's a good clutcher too, right? And the thing is, like, I, we had this thread on Nuke, right? We call it like. Fuck, I can't remember. Phelps, maybe something like that, right? And then you throw the normal default outside smokes on Nuke, like the old ones. And basically, he's running along towards the the secret area. And when he hits like close to the stairs, he gets a certain flash or two, and he swings left through the smoke and try to surprise someone, right? And that that play was super successful. You get somebody like after you do the two three defaults with smokes, try to sneak in secret, and then you pop off with that play, and it works perfectly, right? And I don't need to explain to him what happens after. I just need to tell him, listen, if you go and kill one guy, you just sit or go leather leather base. Or if you die, doesn't really matter. So when I'm explaining this round on, on, on the fucking uh, theory session, he only has to listen to that part. Right? He doesn't have to sit there and listen to, like, when I'm talking to JKS about, like, potential, like, post-plant, where do you need to use your smoke, how where they're going to come from, where they start things around. Who the fuck cares? He doesn't care about that. You have the strat that goes <clears throat> fucking pop through the smoke, you hear a flash in your headset, you swing and fucking kill or die. And that's it. And that's how you use the player's strengths. If I try to explain Jacob or Jax or any kind of entry fragger that's like truly entry frag, Jack in there, whatever, right? All this like dynamics so that he's going to get confused. And that's how you get confused players in your team. That's here where you get like things that are not working. Try to explain this like depth to rain. He's not going to fucking do it. But if you give him a simple roll in the simple strat, like you get the flash here, you need to like watch this angle. They're probably gonna meet you right there. We're gonna flash this side for you, smoke this side of you, so you cannot get shot. He's gonna say, "Okay, I'm going," and then he's gonna deliver a headshot. And that's the system that should be in every team. Like you cannot expect all these players to have like all this amazing, like you know, uh, game sense and fucking everything. That doesn't exist. 
It's just fairy tale. Yeah. Do we have another hot take? Is there another one? Is anyone got one? Did he cover all uh, three of your layers? That's the thing. Yeah. Oh uh, no, no, no. Well, I, we? yeah, yeah. That was that was a that was a long one. I have I have one that's kind of like looking towards the future of Go the on. game. I kind of want to hear what you have to say about it, you guys. Um, it's just that okay. So when CS two comes out, I think six months after it comes out and we're playing with it in competitive, I would say that at most three teams that are currently in the top ten will still be there. I think that this is going to, it's going to really, it's going to shift things a little bit more than people think right now. Um, I think the the game right now, when I, when I play it, like there's little things with the mechanics that just feel slightly different. And I'm not sure, personally, I'm not sure if that's just the, the tick rate or, or what exactly. But I think that the people that are, like, I think this is a really great time for teams that are in the tier two space to jump ahead, to leapfrog some of the teams that are in the tier one space because... This is kind of based. This whole like, this whole take is based off the concept that like what we're seeing at the RMRs is tier two teams are playing some styles of CS that actually look a little bit better than tier one teams, or at least in the short term they are. And I think that that's because they've been grinding. Like I look at a team like Nine, for example, that looks actually like they have a really solid style overall, but tier two teams still like are tier one teams that is are getting caught off by it. And I think that when CS two comes along. Like the only teams that I would say are probably going to survive and stay a top team are Heroic, Navi, and I'll just I'll just say like it could be it could be a couple teams here, could be FaZe or it could be Mao's. And I kind of look at the age of players and I think that when I look at like Mao's for example, they're one of the youngest teams in the top 10. I think the younger the teams are, the more likely that they are to survive the culling that CS2 is going to actually bring on because I think that there's just a couple mechanics that are a little bit different and if you're not on board right away, you're going to you're going to fall back pretty quickly and I think that's almost kind of like what happened with the online era where so many legacy players were unseated because they just couldn't keep up with the, the fact that a lot of these kids are just playing like 14 hours a day and if you're not, you're just you're just going to fall behind. What do you think, Kassad? What do you think the difference uh, will be? I think the first we obviously we changed up the game, which is I think it's it's all right. I don't think there's anything wrong with CS2 because it's uh it's gonna but it's gonna take a year before we actually get to play it on the right level. Because if you remember 2013, you remember how the game was. It was similar to this. I think the game is like in much better shape than CSGO was in 2013. It's still a lot of things like the, the 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 obviously the tick rate is just garbage right now and um, the sound is completely different. It's better, much better sound right now. Even I noticed who is like I've not really competing, not really playing, rarely playing. It's just I noticed that the sound is quite different. I think the more skilled players and more like talented players are gonna benefit from that quite a bit. When it comes to the teams that are actually right now, I don't think it will change all that much. I don't think we're gonna see a a massive drop off in like players like okay i'm giving up I'm, I'm retiring after this you know whatever like it's not csgo it's another game also what i think we, we're gonna have another wave of talents and the pure cs2 players like kids that are going to be coming into this new game right and there's going to be a completely new wave of, of 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 those kids like 15 16 year olds whatever right and they're just gonna overflow the, the the competitive scene right now and that that's another topic but that might take back the na scene in shape but before we actually do all of these things we need to like take care of our ecosystem right because you will see nine in team that qualify for the legend by beating g2 and vitality right and they're going to be playing the major and where exactly will you see them ne next they can qualify for blast because they're shitheads with their style system 
they can they can maybe qualify for ESL events, but they need to play constantly well and have the good uh, world rankings, which is not going to be easy if they bomb out of the major. And they can maybe qualify through Pro League, maybe just maybe, but the competition is so big there because and there is so many spots that are reserved for this garbage teams like you know eg and, and and all this shit that's happening with the franchise league so it's we need to take care of the ecosystem to have more competitive seat right now it needs to be unified rankings it needs to be we need to get rid of this franchise shit that doesn't really help anything or you expand it to fucking 32 teams and have 16 partners and 16 qualified teams make it work somehow i'm sure if you sit down uh, we can find a solution to actually you know help the scene this way because right now this is not sustainable you have so many talented teams but just look at these polish guys even the team like you know the the the, the what's the the british team that qualified you, into I'm, the breach into yeah, the breach yeah. yeah so even look at bne into the breach all these teams there have talented individuals but like all these teams like they cannot get into this position to constantly play tier one events. it wasn't like that before the franchise league we had so much more entertaining events so much better events before with like much more you know competition rather than when we have like this franchise shit right that that doesn't really I remember like people were talking shit about the pea in america that's a that's a that's a whole different fucking topic but all i'm saying we need to fix this ecosystem bullshit with like all this franchise stuff and all these things that so we can have all these new players wanting to actually get into the into the you know into the circuit into the into the teams and then trying to be better but without that it's going to be the same or shit just a better game in general, uh, to rewind it on Maui's take, I would agree in the sense that, like, here's the funny thing. As far as I can tell, I don't think CS2 looks like that drastically different, like a game engine. Like, it looks like a lot of the... Like, quite frankly, that's the area I always say I'm so unimpressed by all those clips. Like, when people posted that Nico clip on, like, the second day of the beta, like, look at this! She just peeks out on Dust2, gets, like, four... AK. Like, yeah, it just looks like normal CSGO Nico. Like, yeah, he has the best AK ever, I'm aware. Like, he has really good aim, it locks on them. Like, what... They look the same. Everyone's going like, oh, he's good at the new game as well. It's just the old game with fucking a lava lamp in CT spawn. What are you talking about? Like, the, as far as I can tell, the smoke's different. Why, has anyone even implied, by the way, the guns are different? And almost no one has. Almost everyone says the same, right? So, like, people comment on stuff. And even half the time, like, I, I even thought a funny one was, I saw that clip as well where Smoothie fires a tech knife. goes, it's firing really quick. It's like, you always did that, you moron. You know, well, that gun, you just don't seem to get, like, certain weapons in the game. It's the same with the Glock, you idiot. A lot of pros, but here's a little detail for you, Simple. A lot of pros don't actually even seem aware. You can actually just press the button like that on the Glock and it shoots faster. A lot of pros actually don't seem aware of that and try to fire the individual bullets like it was real life. Like, I've always thought that's a mad aspect, by the way, because if you've never done that old school strat in 1.6, you can do a Glock rush like that. You all, If you all rush together and you all slam the button like that, you just fire a million bullets into him, like, you get a free kill. It's a little cheesy strat, but that's an example of, like, weird things in the game that you just don't think about or you take for granted. So even, even though the game doesn't look like it's fundamentally that much different, so in theory, like, most of it should correlate. The point is, you don't need it to be changed much for it to to swing everything because think about it for teams this is why the CS 1.6 to CS Go switch was so crazy because if people don't know something like the top three 1.6 teams just kept the exact same lineup from 1.6 a different game and so what fucked them was 
if even two of your players are not just like not as good, but we're worse, you're just done as a team. Like you've got three good players at that point in time and two people who are just feeding or don't understand the meta or haven't put the hours in. So even that's a drastic one, but you can imagine something equivalent. Think about a team like FaZe. Dude, it didn't take much of a fall off and suddenly they were like eighth in the tournament instead of first, you know. And then I'll also throw in as well, think about even in CSGO, when you made weapons like the Org and the Krieg better, you immediately changed the balance of who was good at the game. Like everyone knows the most famous example ever with the Krieg is because Nico wanted to keep using the AK, all of a sudden, like about 20 people could be as good as Nico in the game because he was using an AK and they had a Krieg. Like that's just how it became. And then all and then we all remember. I always mention this, by the way. It wasn't just online that killed a lot of those riflers. It was that the Krieg went away. That went away right as online happened, if people remember. And a lot of people did drop off a cliff and become like half as good or just a good player. So the key thing for me is it doesn't take much. And I also think people really underestimate because of legends like Simple and Device and Nico, who had all those years where they were top five, top five, top five, top five. People think that like, if you're just really good, you'll always be the best. No, because think about this, right? When we examine the game, we obsess over the top 10, top 20, top 50 players. So we talk like this is enormous gaps. The difference between being first and 10th is not really that crazy most years. So all it takes is a few tweaks and you could go from first to 10th. Like I can tell you as well, by the way, just as a random aside, if you follow any game like a League of Legends or a Dota where they change the meta a lot, you know this principle already. Like it's not on you. The game just changes almost underneath you and you just wake up tomorrow and you're just not as good in the same way as if we like doubled the AWP nerf, obviously immediately AWPers would be less powerful and suddenly riflers would be better, even though the rifler did nothing, he just woke up and someone else's gun changed, so I sort of agree overall now, it's actually, it starts as a hot take, but actually I think it's quite a logical take, it's like, I think actually, yeah, when the new game comes out, a bunch of players won't be as good, so their teams will all change in form, even what teams are good will change a bit, I actually think people, that's the part people are underestimating, it's why I'm just going to cherish the end of CSGO, because you can't know how CSGO 2 will start, and I'll just throw it as a final one, because I can actually segue this if someone doesn't have anything else. I have another take I could segue this into, which goes like this. I also think if you look at games like Valorant, which are in the CS sort of like style of game, when you take talent and you move them between games that are drastic, especially, it can be, there's sometimes no rhyme or reason. Like there are people in Valorant who are among the best. If people don't know, Ye was the best player in the world in Valorant. He wasn't even close to like the best NA player, never mind CS player. And he played a bunch of years in CSGO. So uh, the the other thing I could segue into as a hot take, because I actually think this is a one that people have stupidly thought about with CS2. I think it's a valid take. A lot of the excitement of CS2, you'll have seen it online, was all the idea that it's a new game, right? Because you saw all those people where it would be like, you know, like, like like JDM was like, look, if this game really is like a new game, I'm coming back. And there'll be all like legendary players, like maybe I do a comeback. And it's like, bros, first of all, you're not doing a comeback if it's like CSGO because you're just not good enough at CSGO. And then I'll add in, here's the hot take. I don't think, unlike fans, that this changes anything about Valorant, by the way. I don't think any of the Valorant pros come to CS2. Like, why would they? Logically, if they don't play CSGO now, that means they either are better at Valorant, which because they'll stay playing Valorant, or they prefer Valorant, which is they're not going to come over. And since, here's the thing, if it really was CS2 and it was a totally different game, I think some of them would try. But I think what will happen is, unless they just suck in Valorant, why would they go, right, let's start the grind to CS again? Like, remember, you're not going to switch like they did to Valorant and tomorrow have a contract. You're going 
going to switch and you're going to have to grind for a year. Because people forget the ones that came back were the ones we had to accept because they used to be so great before. Like Nitro and Daps, sorry, you should have too much to offer. You have to accept them if they come back. But here's the point. If you're someone like Tens and you came up, not that he's coming, but I'll just give an example. If you come to CS tomorrow, you're not actually getting picked up, mate. Like you actually have to grind. You have to prove you're really good at CS too. And quite frankly, that's going to be so much work. I don't think you're going to do it if you didn't just stay in CSGO. So there's a slight hot take for you. I actually don't think that's one thing I don't. I think people are too excited for. They think CS2 is going to like unite all the FPS and all the couch. I don't think it'll change that at all, mate. I think it'll be the same pros. I don't think there will be like all those guys coming back to CS. That's just a naive dream. That's just a dream, guys. I don't even know if I want these people back in CS. Who knows, like, right? Yeah. We got. By the way, we don't need them. I, that's what, the other cool thing about the Valorant thing to me is like, since a lot of them were like lower tier people or washed pro, you can just have a career. That's cool. It's like wrestling. You don't have to be in WWE. You can be in the other shit as well and still have a career. That's all right. If people want to watch it, it's all good. It's also, yeah, it's also important, like the way they introduce the CS2 into the different regions also, because I would like to, as much as I don't really care about the Valorant players that went, and I don't want them back. Like, who cares? If you want to come back, if you don't, who cares as well? Like, nothing really changes. I just want the new kids, like the new kids that are going to be, you know, talented. Ah, that's a good point. Yes. To go instead of to Valorant to go to Yes, CS2. that's a pretty good point, actually. Yeah, that, you want that, the next that, generation. Yes. That's what I want, right? Yes. The next generation of talented uh, kids to go yes. instead of the Valorant to go to CS2. And that's where we need Valve to do their job. That's where yeah. we need Orcs to do their job. That's where we need all these people who are, unfortunately, a bunch of them incompetent to do the, do the good job in actually, you know, establishing the proper ecosystem. Oh, mate, so actually, this, this ties back go. into your point, because if you think about it, the real point you're making here, which is a very shrewd one, is it actually doesn't matter that we have the current generation CSGO pros. If all the next FPS talent plays Valorant, we're not going to have them. And in fact, there's a reason why they would, guys, which is the examples that were just given of Into the Breach and 9-9 and BNE, etc., which is if you make it too hard in the circuit to have a spot in any of these leagues, because let's be real, the problem with Blast is this, because there's always a really elite team that isn't in Blast, you're never going to get through the showdown because you're going to play Gambit or Vitality or Heroic. Like, you're not going to beat them if you're fucking 9-9, aren't you? Like, you're not, you're, you're like that's, that's just asking too much. So if you are those teams, if you were that player, think about this if you're a fan. If you were that player, like, yeah, now you've obviously put all your hours in CSGO. You're going to keep going and try and make the major. But if you could go back in time, you'd have just started Valorant, wouldn't you? You'd go, wouldn't I have a fairer chance in that ecosystem? So I, I agree. You have to shore up that. That's almost a leak we do have in CSGO, which is that the newer player, it wouldn't make as much sense from the start in CSGO. It's going to be really hard to get to the top. I think the, yeah. the ecosystem in Valorant is pretty hard to break into now that they franchise out, though. Sure. Like, just, just saying, like, if people are looking at both open circuit or both circuits right now and saying which one's more open, I actually think that CS is more open because, oh, like, like, ways, nine, yeah. like, nine, you can just make a major, you could get sticker money, and you never had to go through this arduous process of playing, like, a challenger thing and then, like, I don't know, breaking in through that, like one spot through that whole challenger league or whatever that is like, I don't know. I think, I think the major, and it's like the majors are twice a year. Hopefully, hopefully they're keeping the same system. If you think you have two cracks at it per year to get your, you know, tier three team into the major, you could pull off a B and E. Yeah. I don't know. The thing is like, you want to play Cologne. You want to play Katowice. You want to play the pro league. You want to play all these like IEM, Sydney, whatever the Rio, whatever it is. You want to be there. But you can't be there if you only have a chance to qualify for only one event, like fair and square, and you need to like. It's just not right that, like, for example, EG. I'm not taking him again, but it, it, sure. it's just the way it is, right? Yeah. Like they get the invite as as a local hero of yep. the for the IEM Dallas. Like, yep. are they a local hero? 
Like, are they the only NA team that deserves that? <laughs> yeah, if anything, they should be there as like the fucking. It, it should be like in medieval times, Kassan. Instead of a hero, they should be put in the stocks. You know that thing we had in England where you put your arms in and you're locked in, and then everyone throws like rotten tomatoes at your face? Mm-hmm. That's what they should do. They should bring along bloody evil genius, have them do that. Uh, but here's the thing that, that'd be unfair to some of the players. I'd put the fucking execs in there, have the gamer yeah, yeah, doc yeah. there, yeah, yeah, Nicole, yeah. and then everyone. The old rotten fruit, all ingest, of course. You know, make sure it's nice and soft. Don't, not, you know, rotten, the, but you know, the, the, don't the hurt them is, or anything. You know. The thing is, like, definitely, the thing is, definitely, you know, they they are not supposed to be there. There's a better teams in America that you know that can be there. As shit as that sounds, like I know I'm saying this because we as Renegades were invited. I am Sydney, but we were the best team in the region. Yeah, we were the ten top fifteen team for three four years in a row. So that is the only team that you can invite as the local domestic heroes. Like EG getting that spot, why? Because they're partners with TSL. Like they're playing the Pro League for six seasons and they're dead last, they can't beat anyone. And they're still there. Like why? Because they, they're all paid, paid money to be there. By the way, it does crack me the fuck up, though, that they built that whole premise of, like, like Astralis style, like, we're going to do, like, three teams. And then they were like, yeah, the problem is, like, none of the other players in the other two teams are appropriate to promote. Though. It's like, well, then what was the point of the team? Like, what? Like, like that, that's the part that everyone else has included into that. I'm just like, this is madness. What was ever the point of the three teams? Like, what was that? <laughs> Especially because everyone jokes, but it's almost true. One of those three teams actually did, a lot of the time, look better than the main AG team so essentially yeah. all you did is pay those guys not to compete for the same opportunity as far as I can tell like what a weird I, fucking hole you know I can understand was. I can understand before <laughs> we finish like when it comes to EG like I can understand the, the guys from League having this vision that was completely stupid and yeah exactly yes. I can see where they're coming from like yes. yeah maybe this work here but balance is there like the guy was in CS Imagine for such a... How did he buy that? Why did he buy that? What did they sell to him? So he's like, yeah, uh, uh, this this is good. Like, why didn't he say to the guys, are you ridiculous? Are you insane? Like, we can have an academy team that's going to be playing in the academy league. And maybe we can buy some talents and put them in that academy team and transfer that team to Europe if we have extra resources to go and bootcamp, play this cash cup, play the, the, the CCT league. You know, I'm sure everybody of these tier two organizers would love to have an EG brand. Even if it's academy team in their tournaments, tier two events, tier three, let them let them like polish there, and maybe we get like somebody pops up, we promote him to the, the main team, and that's how you do your research. Instead of they have like four coaches, sixteen players, and they're paying way more and getting nothing, and then they fire them all. So this is what I understand. Why did Valence buy that shit up? Yes. I was like, I was thinking like, dude, you are in CS for a very long time. You won the fucking major. Yeah, for sure. You were in a great organization that's Cloud yeah. Nine. For years, you are a smart dude, educated dude. Sure. How the fuck did you buy this? The reason it's hilarious, though, is because if you don't know, just like simple, Valence has his own reason that automatically he's right about everything, which is like, what is it that they say, Maui? Is it that they say he was an aerospace engineer? Do they actually say, like, worked for Google or something? Don't they have some th- line that they always say about him, like he did some mega job or something? I think yeah, he studied yeah. like ComSci at Stanford and then he oh, right. said Google or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Here's yeah. the joke though. Like they say that like just because you work for Google, like you know what I mean? The joke is it looks like he just Googled how to make a CS team. Whatever. I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Whatever. It wasn't bad. You know? <laughs> That's not bad. That was, yeah, that was a decent, decent sort of. <laughs> um, fucking, I, I, I got know. like that. There you go. There you go. Oh, fuck. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs>